welcome to the Blue and White Brothers, the podcast all about Penn State football. Conversation and commentary from a fan perspective. I'm Tom Gaffman. And I'm Andy Gaffman. And we are the Blue and White Brothers. Two brothers, two takes, one team. Well, we are here with another episode of Blue and White Brothers after a uh, whew, uh, unpleasant game this weekend. My goodness, uh, somehow Penn State managed not to lose to Indiana, a game they had no business even being close that close in. It was a 33 to 24 victory, bro, but it, it felt like anything but. You play to win the game and didn't look like either team was like, playing to win the game in some respects. And I, I feel mostly like Penn State wasn't playing to win the game. But uh, some late uh, interesting calls by Tom Allen to tie the game. We'll get into it. We'll get into it. Yeah. Um, before we get into it, I just uh, figured, uh, you know, a little little light connection, bro. I know um, you're sweltering over there in Colorado right now um, after how many inches of snow fell? Listen, I'm sweating in my own room because the heat's up and I'm on my third cup of coffee, but there was about a foot of snow outside <laughs> over the last uh, 24 plus hours. Uh, yeah, that was a uh, nice uh, Sunday night football game uh, featured uh, the uh, the snowy surroundings uh boy that was actually kind of an interesting result denver versus the uh, 49ers i mean honestly i was picking the 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 broncos to win the game uh there's this trend with with gambling and how much money is on the favorites like if over 70% of the money is on these favorites the 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 the, the, the ref will skew in favor of the underdogs and they've been <laughs> they the underdogs have been winning and it's and, a conspiracy you know, i mean the bills are looking like crap the it's just like you know confounding things are happening in in the nfl and the and the broncos beating the the chiefs at home after miami dolphins put 70 points up on uh, the Broncos a few weeks ago, and then, dude, what 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 did what did, what did the Chiefs have? Nine points in the game. It was not good. Three field uh, goals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> After the Miami Dolphins scored seventy points on them, they couldn't get a touchdown. It's very strange. Very well, strange. you know, the, some of those results in the NFL um, are are reminiscent of like teams that you expect to do really well and then show up pretty poorly. Like I don't know, say the Penn State Nittany Lions this past week, and actually a fair number of um, similar kinds of showings around college football. Um, here's what we've got coming up for the episode today. We are going to go into the news and notes. We're going to look at the top twenty-five scoreboard. We're going to look at the Big Ten. We might get into some other headlines while we're at it, but um, we're also going to get into that Indiana game, try not to get ourselves into full froth just because I've been doing it all weekend and I'd love to change my attitude a little bit, but uh, it's going to be keep, hard. I you... keep the safety off my frothing trigger. <laughs> the, I, I am just, I'm ready to shoot right from the hip, full froth, you know, no safety, you know, measures in place. <laughs> froth first, ask questions yeah, later. Yes. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so, there, fair warning: there may be some uh, frosty and frothy uh, parts of the conversation once we get to talking about the Indiana game. But we will talk I've got about some froth it. on top of my coffee right now, too. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Make, put it to good use. It's all over my mustache, <laughs> if you can see it. 
Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, that's what the episode is going to be. Um, and um, want to remind everyone to please subscribe and follow the podcast, uh, share it with your Penn State friends. Um, we just heard that Joel m- met a new friend who he found out as a Penn State fan. So hopefully he shared Blue and White Brothers with him. If he, if he didn't, uh, he's got some explaining to do. But um, if you have a Splain. Penn State friend. <laughs> some- <laughs> when you're explaining, you're losing. <laughs> if you got a Penn State friend, uh, share, share the podcast with them. So you can uh, share the love and or misery, depending prop. on how Penn State's doing. <laughs> exactly. Um, write a review, give us a rating, and hey, send an email into the mailbag, blueandwhitebrothers at gmail.com. And with that, let's go ahead and uh, turn to our news and notes. News and notes. Well, it's getting real. And, and bro, I don't know if you remember a couple of weeks ago, I said when we turned into October, hey, you know, September is one thing and October is another thing. But October has turned out to be uh, quite an interesting month for college football. And October. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you stay frothy out there. I'm going to keep going with this theme. Of the Absolutely. Whole episode. <laughs> um, so, so we have a, we have a couple of themes for our, um, news and notes headlines. Okay. And uh, I want to get your 10 second takes on them. And, um, the first theme we have is, uh, teams that are taking care of business. All right. Here's your first headline. Number eight, Oregon flexes against number 13, Utah as the ducks down the Utes 35 to six. I, I, I didn't watch a ton of this game, but I mean, six points, that's two field goals. That is a just utter egg-laying situation for, I mean, this was one of the biggest games, you know, for Utah in recent memory at home that, you know, college game day was there. It, it, they just, they, they laid an egg and, uh, and, and it, you know... The I was looking at this for a possible upset for sure. I mean, for sure, and 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 that pig farmer just couldn't lead him to to victory against uh, the Ducks. Man, it, I, I, I we're kind of like been Utah fans kind of since the 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 maybe the Pac-12 title game last year when we watched him beat Caleb and and we got to play him in the Rose Bowl. And since then, we wanted them to do well just because it kind of like feels good to like have Penn State have that victory against a solid solid Utah program. They're they're still an emerging program in the in the grand scheme of the the, the powers that be in uh in college football. And it's just it's a bummer to see them lay lay an egg just like they did. All right, moving on, we've got uh the Irish pummeling the Panthers as number 14 Notre Dame beats a pathetic pit 58 to 7. Yeah. Um <laughs> I like I think it could have been worse too. I I they <laughs> did Christian Veyer, uh if that is indeed is the correct pronunciation of his name. Did he didn't he throw like two picks and at least one of them was a pick six? I think he had four interceptions if I <laughs> See, I mean, wow. And oh, here we go. A little little tangent. Okay. Our our great great friend of the podcast Pat Nardonsi um <laughs> Came, <laughs> came. I love that you're calling them friend of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, um, that's amazing. <laughs> great, great friend of the podcast. I said, um, oh, he had a co- a quote of his after the oh, game. Yeah. 
Oh. Taken out of context a bit, I will say, but it's, but it's, oh, he basically said, like, hey, we had a lot of great players last year that we needed to replace this year, and we haven't done that yet. And then he goes <laughs> on to say, that's on me as a coach. But the quote was taken yeah, out guys, of context. Yeah, guys, it's not your fault that you suck. It's <laughs> basically Well, they, they, cut, they cut the quote after, you know, before he says, that's on me as a coach and on us as coaches. And the play, the, it was all over Twitter, and the, his own players were commenting, like, what? the heck man like wow is it gonna be like that coach like it is a bad look for for pat nardonsi and and i think especially it'll, coming off of such a demoralizing loss especially you know d- demoralizing loss with his former penn state quarterback and especially after he makes fun of penn state's offense as being a one-word offense and man the dude couldn't even get you know more than seven points in the game and got 51 hung on them it is a bad Sorry, fifty-eight hung on them. It's a bad look, and they're now what two and seven? Yeah, dude. I mean, dude. Yikes! That is rough. That is super rough. I don't care. I I love it. (laughs) I love. All right. Um. So moving on to a a new theme here. Uh, This is under the heading of close but no cigar, aka near upsets. Number five, Washington narrowly avoids disaster in a mistake-prone game, finally pulling away from Stanford in the closing minutes, thanks in part to a failed fourth-down conversion by Stanford on a blown trick play as the Huskies escape with a 42-33 to victory. Yeah, I mean, this is like Washington. Let's put it this way. I'm not going to comment too much in the game because um, I didn't watch a ton of it, but but basically, I mean, they they... <laughs> That they're just like hanging on right now. Like they're they're kind of going through a little bit of a slump, I think, since the Oregon victory. Like they aren't firing on all cylinders. Um, if they lose that game, that is a a tough blow. A tough, tough blow to overcome. Um but you know, Stanford, they're also a, a two and a two and six team, two and seven team now. You know, so and, and Penn State had their struggles with Indiana, who's also you know of that same ilk in terms of how bad their season is. So it can happen to the best of teams, the, the you know Heisman Trophy candidates. It can happen to any team, any weekend. And Washington was you know able to make enough plays in the end to 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 pull it out. On the same theme. Unranked Cal gives number 24 USC a run for their money, but the Trojans swat away a potentially game-winning two-point conversion attempt by the Bears in the final minute, hanging on for a 50-49 to victory. You know, it's interesting. USC, I felt, could have lost to Arizona several weeks back, um, and Arizona didn't go for two to win the game, and they went into like double or triple overtime or something like that. And, and this is the other side of that. They did go for two to win the game, and it basically caused them to lose it. So it's a coin flip here at some point, you know, when you're making these decisions as a coach. You just got to hope for the best, and sometimes it doesn't go your way. But what what an incredible game for Cal to to play, you know, a ranked team, USC, ranked team, former Heisman Trophy winner. This is Cal. They are a doormat at this point. Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams really got to take a long, hard look at themselves. And Alex Gingrich, their DC, I don't know if he's going to survive this season. They might fire him before the season's out, but if he's back next year, I will be shocked. Giving up a whole lot of points. Dude, really bad. And uh, hey, hand it to the Pac-12 for going out with a bang, man, because it's been a lot of fun watching that conference go out. They're not going out, by the way. 
they, it's still going to be the Pac-2 moving forward. They are dis, they are keeping the conference in name, intact, and they're, I, you know, the way I kind of see this as being like if they keep the conference together, even as just the two of them, Washington State uh, and Cal. I mean, what? Who's to say that sometime down the road, when possibly the the Big Ten expansion, you know. Like, what if it doesn't shake out the way everybody wants it to? What if, what if like USC and UCLA and all these teams that are joining the Big Ten and these other teams that are going to the Big 12, what if later on they're like, you know what? Let's go back. Let's go back to regional football. Interesting. It's not impossible. I don't think it's impossible. Well, anyway, the Pac-12 is right. having their last okay. gasp. Fine. <laughs> and um, yeah, they're putting on a good show for everyone. Um, hey, you just mentioned the Arizona Wildcats, and we're, we're now moving to a new theme of actual upsets. And here's your first headline. Remember, 10-second takes. Whatever. The, beaver, <laughs> the beavers can't survive the desert. See what I did there? No. Beavers, they're like I'm getting it. A water. Creature. By the way, beavers exist in desert areas, just at a little bit higher altitudes above the deserts. The beavers can't survive the desert, as the wildcats of Arizona open up number eleven Oregon State to a 27-24 upset victory. I mean, this is absolutely a game that the Oregon State Beavers should have won. They they absolutely should have won this game, but. I mean, for Arizona, they've been on the cusp of of these upsets all year. They almost, like I said, almost beat USC. This is absolutely a a a like you know benchmark game for that coach over there. And and my my good buddy Marvin Kassler, he was on the sidelines in his you know Arizona Viking garb. Uh, shout out to him. Um, big win for that program. Big win for for fans of of the Wildcats. It was awesome to see. I, I personally enjoyed watching it. And then in the biggest upset of the weekend, unranked Kansas upends number six, Oklahoma, 38 to 33, tearing down the goalposts after the Jayhawks shocked the Sooners with a late touchdown to win it. I don't know what to think of this upset and, and what to think of Oklahoma because, man, they looked great. Like, what does it say about Oklahoma and Texas at this point if Texas yeah. lost to Oklahoma the way they did and now Oklahoma's losing to Kansas? You know, they, Kansas has been playing with a backup. I mean, they had a close game to UCF last week, too. Oh, yeah. They, like, by a point, I think they barely pulled it out. Um, and Kansas has been doing um, this with a backup quarterback. I don't know his name, and I forget all, like, the particulars of how he performed in the game, but, I mean... Dude, that's a that is a monumental victory for Kansas. Monumental. That puts them right back in uh you know conversations for for bigger uh goals moving forward this season. Absolutely. Um speaking of bigger goals, ne- next and final theme in the uh top 25. Um this is in the fighting for a bowl theme. Colorado's star continues to dim as the Buffaloes endure another ugly loss. This time to number 23 UCLA. As they go down 28 to 16 and remain stuck at four wins with only four left to play in Neon Dion's inaugural season. Uh, dude, there is a stat and I don't have it off. Uh, you know, I don't have it handy right now, but I think it was like at least at some point in the third or fourth quarter, Shador Sanders had been hurried 22 times. He had been knocked like <laughs> 12 times. He had been um, sacked like six or seven times. And I don't know what the numbers ended up being at the end, but 
and then Deion Sanders goes and calls calls out his offensive line after uh, the game, and and his and his son, his other son on the defensive side of the ball was kicked out of the game. Like it was a rough day for the Sanders family. Um, yeah. uh, you know, against UCLA, I, I, yeah, it's. I don't know what to make of this team. You know, like they're basically imploding at this point after what they were like four and one at one point this season. Now they're four and four. Have they lost three in a row now? Is that what's going on with them? I don't. I've lost track. No, they, sorry. They 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 had an Arizona State uh, game in there that they won twenty seven to twenty four. But they've gone. They've now lost Oregon and USC back to back, and they've lost to Stanford and UCLA back to back. And Andy, UCLA has scored twenty eight. Stanford has scored forty six. USC has had scored 48. Oregon has scored 42. They Their defense is one of the worst defenses in all of college football, like in many metrics. And, and then on top of that, they are one of the most penalized teams, if not the most penalized teams in the country. And, and they're the most sacked team in the country on top of that too. So they got a long way to go to get bowl eligible. That's for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's it's not l- looking pretty. the The hype train has derailed at this point, <laughs> totally. and so is my ten second take. <laughs> <laughs> um, moving out of the top twenty five, but still in the fighting for a bowl category, bro. Clemson. They used to call what's happening to Clemson right now this season. They used to call it Clemsoning. Like <laughs> they that, are, they, they used to be like the same, like oh, kind of like how Maryland, like you know, they get out to great starts and then they implode in the second half of the season. That that used to be called Clemsoning, and Clemson is back to Clemsoning. Um, uh, just they, one word served as the headline, but I, I actually wrote a fuller headline for you. I'll just spout it out real quick. Clemson drops to five hundred on the season as the Tigers fall to the Wolfpack, and Dabo falls from grace, losing to North Carolina. 24 to 17. He's going to have to Excuse me, North Carolina State. Yeah, yeah. He's going to have to um he's going to have to figure something out moving forward cuz how things used to work for him are not going to be working for him moving forward. He has a he has a lot on his plate to make this team um you know, challenge for the ACC title and and conference, uh, sorry, uh, college football playoffs moving forward. I I I think that he's capable of doing it. It's just you know he, he he's kind of like Franklin um, in some ways at least this season it's it's kind of like he can't get out of his own way with with his stubbornness and how he's kind of running things so and by the well, way his quarterback was the second rated high school quarterback in the country uh, coming out the same class as Drew Aller. All right, um, last one before we turn to the Big Ten, um, unranked West Virginia defeats Big 12 newcomer UCF 41 to 28 as the Mountaineers get to within one win of bowl eligibility with still a third of the season left to play. I think if you had polled the entire country on if West Virginia would make a bowl this year, they would probably say no and their coach would be fired by midseason. Um it's, they still are on a pretty magical run as far as I'm concerned with with their season. Um I, I, they should be proud of themselves at this point to be this close to being bowl eligible. I, Neil Neil Brown hang, hanging in there, holding it together, might be uh, saving his job this season. Yeah, and their remaining schedule seems doable to get a couple other wins at least. Yep. So, um, yep. hey, good for you guys. Pr- yep. pr- proud of you. Glad you could uh, come back after that devastating loss to Penn State. <laughs> 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 All right. Uh, Big Ten. All right. Um, hey, the Buckeyes beat the Badgers. 
as number three, Ohio State takes care of business in Madison, 24 to 10. Um, I think Wisconsin actually had chances of of doing something this game. Unfortunately yeah. for them, th- there were turnovers. Uh, in fact, Braylon Allen had back-to-back fumbles. Only the first one was lost. The second one uh, was not. But um, he also went down with an injury and left the game. And one of their top wide receivers also went down with an injury and didn't return in the game. So they they were they were kind of playing with one arm tied behind their back. And, and they already kind of were, given the, the talent discrepancy between these two teams um it was it was a closer than expected game it was a it was a one touchdown game for a, a lot of the a lot of it and i was you know like anyone else who isn't an ohio state fan we were all badgers fans throughout this oh, yeah. game and really yeah, kind of disappointed that it, it didn't happen. McCord did not look good he threw two uh-huh. picks at least two picks in the game yeah and maybe yeah. it had, had a strip sack at one point um i mean by this point the penn state game had already happened and todd blackledge is like hey uh uh, Ohio State seems to be having a letdown game as well. You know, uh, yeah, they were really yeah, having sure. a hard time getting things going. Um, and Blackledge also said that the trajectory of the game was very similar to the Penn State game, which is it was a low-scoring, one-score game. You know, it wasn't until the final few minutes that Ohio State got the... This you know, just, the score that broke the dam open. This just proves that this is truly a gettable Ohio State team. And, like, their talent still trumps enough to make up for their deficiencies. I mean, Marvin Harrison had like 140 or 50 yards or 125 yards and two I mean, I think between their defense, between their defense, which is Legit. unexpectedly good this year and Marvin Harrison Jr. Unexpectedly, I think I mean I think, it, it's surprising to me, honestly. I I think that they are better than we thought they'd be, but I, yeah, I think we assume that they were gonna be a good defense still. They're playing they're playing like one of the best defenses in the country for sure. Yeah, I they're legit, unfortunately. In my perspective, <laughs> yeah, Travion Henderson uh, came back and had a good uh, day running the ball. Oh well. yeah, he he did as well. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, looking like uh, it's going to be the end of the season is going to going to be. Oh, a and big by the way, Wisconsin was playing without their starting quarterback uh, Tanner oh, that's true. And you know, so for them to be in that game for as long as they were with the backup, who I don't know much about the kid, uh, he played. You know. Decent football against a, you know an elite defense for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, moving on. The Cornhuskers drain the Boilermakers as Nebraska notches a solid victory against Purdue, thirty-one to fourteen, and giving Nebraska their fifth victory in their last six games, with only one win away from bowl eligibility. That's in Matt shocking. Rule's first season. I know. Isn't that amazing? Fifth victory in their last six games is a shocking statistic. So I mean, the the way that he. You know, his trajectory of making a, t- a team better over the, the course of his first three seasons of coaching a program, he's doing it in a microcosm of this season with how he's getting this team better. Um, that's a shocker to me. I, I I don't even know who they're running at quarterback anymore, but I don't think it's the guy they started with. I think it was Jeff Sims, uh, the Georgia Tech transfer. Um I mean, I kind of stopped paying attention. Yeah, right. You know, after their second or third game, uh, and yeah. So, like you know, quietly they just paying attention to Penn State in the 2020 season. You know, like, like you just tune out because you know they're not a they're a non-factor in the Big Ten. But they've quietly gone through the middle of the 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 Big Ten schedule. Um, They're three victories to two in the conference and five and three overall. Let me ask you a question, Andy. Like, do you foresee? Um, like if, if, if Matt, um, Matt rule goes forward and he, he does get Nebraska back on track with being like a, 
possible 10 win per season uh, team. Do you think that he would stay there 10 plus years? Or do you think that, that he could ever possibly come back to his alma mater, depending on how, you know, things work out with Franklin and his next contract situation? Yeah, I mean, it seems I know it's, like I know it's conjecture, but I like, think it's it's an interesting question. I mean, there's a lot of what ifs there, obviously. Right? But I just, you know, do you think but, that that's that we would ever see Matt Rule come back to Penn State? Like, in your just a gut feeling, like do you do you think it's possible? Do you think it's likely? Do you see it not being likely? I think for the last twenty years or so, Penn State's a much better football coaching destination than Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Um, now, where that will be in 10 years, it could be totally different. And Nebraska historically has been one of the marquee programs. And if if Matt Rule gets it back there and he gets the recruiting train going and all that kind of stuff, then, then all bets are off. But I would say if things kind of remain the way they are in terms of, you know, Penn State trying to break into the upper crust and Nebraska sort of still floundering around somewhere in the middle. Yeah, absolutely. I think someone like Matt Rule would want to come to Penn State. I don't know. A lot of what ifs. I I, I certainly wouldn't hate it if Matt Rule's doing great and Penn State needs to to take the next step. But then again, James Franklin is another kind of like, you know, had some success at a middling program and is someone like Matt Rule going to be? I wouldn't call Vanderbilt middling. I'd call them a dumpster. <laughs> okay. They were a dumpster I, program. I'm just saying, like, you know, if Penn State needs elite head coaching to get us over the top, is Matt Rule going to be that elite head coach? That I'm not sure of. Fair. That's a fair point. All um, right. Moving yeah. on. Um, By the way, he is more. from New York, just like Joe Paterno. New York there City. You go. Um Two more in the Big Ten. Michigan State stumbles again, losing to Minnesota, twelve to twenty-seven. Uh, yeah, these. Uh, I don't really have much to say about that. The, the, this Michigan State team, it, I, like, what are you? What are you asking of that team this year? It's it, they're just trying Not to keep their head above water. Um, at all. Really, really, the the biggest news we'll possibly be looking for with them is like, are who they're going to hire moving forward? Yeah. Um, because uh, I think the Michigan State came down on on recently in the last week. I think they said, yeah, hey, hey, we're firing you for for cause, essentially. Like that. That's. He's he's out and he's gonna he's suing about it and that could linger for for a long time. Yeah, um, Mel Tucker is not coming back. No. He is definitively yeah. gone. And yeah. yeah, so what are they going to be doing moving forward? I think is the big question. Right. Michigan State, by the way, uh, this is thanks in part to Maryland's result, which we'll get to in a second. Um, uh, no, I guess Maryland's result last week. Um, mm-hmm. But Michigan State is the last remaining conference team without a conference win. Yeah, that, and that could remain that way and uh, up until our game, the last game of the season at Ford Field. That that could be their last chance to to have a statement game, statement victory, something to hang their hat on. That'll be their bowl game. Going oh, to man. Ford Field and playing Penn State, a top <laughs> ten, likely true. top ten team at that point. I, I I think it's possible we'll still be a top ten team uh, at that point in time. I, it's, they 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 don't have much to play for, and and then maybe <sighs> and that might be their their Brain spoiler. Yeah. Um, but by the way, that uh, Illinois shared that distinction last week until they beat Maryland. So, mm-hmm. um, speaking of Maryland, uh, Northwestern, another Illinois team, upsets a reeling Maryland as the Wildcats find the Terrapin soft underbelly for a thirty-three to twenty-seven. Ooh, the soft underbelly! You like that? Uh, I do. Um, 
I man, dude, what what's to make of this Maryland team? We'll I, talk about them a lot. Yeah. In this episode. I, I, but. You know, I, I just I'm it's a shocking situation what's going on there. And yes, we'll dive into it more. But Northwestern hung 33 on you. Like what? I don't. It's granted it was cold weather, you know, in Chicago there. And like, I don't know, like Maryland's not south enough for them to not be know how to experience cold weather. So I don't put I don't put it on that. But I guess the passing game is what they are definitely relying on a lot. And the passing game in cold weather doesn't quite fly the same way it does um, when it's when it's nicer. Are they a fair weather team? Is that what they are? No. Yeah, they, they love September. You yeah, know, but. yeah that's, that's true. They do love mm-hmm. September. Um, all right. Well, uh, that leads us to uh, just an update of the polls. Penn State, remarkably, after the lackluster win, still climbed one spot to number nine in the last week of the AP poll. That really means anything because the uh, CFP is coming out uh, tomorrow. But, um, you, you know, and that's thanks in part to well, actually thanks entirely to Oklahoma yeah. who moved down four spots after the loss to Kansas. They now slot in at number 10, just behind Penn state, by the way, that's Oklahoma's first loss of the season. And there are no remaining undefeated big 12 teams, which is pretty big for the rest of the um, one loss teams out there. Um, because, you know, I think Penn state still has a hope of being a one loss team. And the fact that there are no undefeated teams in the big 12 means, you know, it's going to be potentially a, a, a mad dash for which one loss team ends up uh, making it into the final four. Any, any comments on that, bro? Oh, well, my, uh, my comments are like with Texas and Oklahoma leaving the, the big 12 and, you know, after after this season going to the SEC, uh, it's it's not a good look for those two universities um, to not ever kind of you know this season not not establish themselves as like the dominant team amongst. I mean, dude, losing to Kansas for Oklahoma that is a big stain on the Big Twelve, um, and and much like Washington, if they had lost um, that game this past weekend, that would have been a massive stain in the Pac twelve because then they would have no undefeated teams left, and they still Washington still might lose somewhere down the I mean, line. They've here. got a long ways to go, don't they? <laughs> right. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. But it, it's just like you know, once you have eliminated all your uh, undefeated teams from your conference it just gets really muddled and murky at that point and that's what we yeah. want that's yeah. what we want for that's, sure at, as at this State point fans. at this point that's we what we are needing want. we are needing Rutgers this le- next weekend to beat Ohio State and if, if, in order for us <laughs> to have a chance fingers. In, order, in order for us to have a chance uh, at winning a Big 10 title this year we need Ohio State to lose two and one needs to be uh, to a team not named Michigan you know, it needs to be against Michigan. They need to lose and another one. And I think that Rutgers is the best chance that we have for Ohio State to lose a second game. Yeah, obviously the other path is a three-way tie of one-loss teams in the Big Ten East. Yeah, yeah, but, but I don't, I don't feel good about that right now. I don't know yeah. what the the the, the records, the round robin records are in the in the West for you know our Penn State. I think Penn State has ground to make up there, unfortunately. Yeah, well, um, yeah, so having Ohio State with a, a second loss, yeah. that puts the Michigan-Penn State as a head-to-head, which, of course, we still would have to win to have any chance of of getting into the Big Ten Championship Obviously. game um, or the CFP. You're not going to get yep. a two-loss team in. Um, it hasn't happened yet, probably won't happen 
by the time uh, it goes to the 12 team format next year. So anywho, um, speaking of those one loss teams, uh, Oregon is now in the top spot uh, leapfrogging Texas after their extremely strong win against Utah. Um, Oregon's number six, the the top ranked one loss team. Yeah. I was confused. Um, (laughs) One loss team. Yeah. One loss team. Yeah. Utah and Oregon state, um, they each dropped five after their second losses. They're down to 16 and 18 respectively. Hmm. And um, by the way, the highest two loss team for what it's worth, Notre Dame slotting in at 12 and uh, at the bottom of the poll, some kind of interesting things going on. Previously unranked two loss Kansas moves to number 22 with their debut. I think they were in the poll previously, but I've got a problem with Notre Dame's ranking there. I, I, I really do. <laughs> What's I your mean, problem with that? Well, Louisville beat them, and they're seven and one, and they're three spots below them. Yeah, That's but look silly. who they lost to. I don't care. They beat Notre Dame, and they they <laughs> be, they beat them good. They beat them yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's the funny thing about how polls work. You know, I mean, that's like how did Ohio State get ranked ahead of us in 2016 after we had know, beaten them? Right? Do you know how silly polls really are? Do they're you really dumb. do you realize? That? I mean, so it, it is the, it is part of the pageantry of college football. Are these polls we get all excited about, worked up about, and angry about? It's absolutely part of the culture of, of college football. But like. In the NFL, you have power rankings. Those power rankings don't mean anything. They don't mean anything. It's just for talk. Rankings don't matter. Like, you know what else doesn't matter? Like, uh, like you're, you know, sometimes we talk about, oh, we are first in the country in total defense. And we, no one cares about that in the NFL either. It's just, but it's all these metrics that go into how we're going to rank these 132 teams. Yeah. (laughs) It's, it's pretty funny. It is funny and stupid. Uh, elsewhere in the the bottom parts of the poll, um, the lowest ranked undefeated team uh, moved up a couple spots to number twenty three. That's James Madison, the James Dukes. Madison, the Dukes, the Dukes. By the way, they're in their first year in the FBS, and they can't um, play in the postseason. They're because of How that. Yeah, some is silly. That's ridiculous NCAA rule that you can't go to a bowl in your first year. What in- on earth would that rule be for? I have no You're idea. You're coming from a worse division, so the step up in competition obviously should be much harder. And if you're winning against harder competition, why? 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 Yeah. Why? So and they can't even play in a postseason in their former division either, obviously, because they're not playing in it. You're not letting them have a bowl game when there's, what, 60 freaking bowl games out there? It's, 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 it's beyond ridiculous. It is. Yeah. I feel bad. But anyway, they're, they are they are undefeated. Now, look, they're in the Sun Bowl Conference. Definitely not one of uh, even the stronger Power Five conferences. But, hey, they're, they're doing great. Shout out to the Dukes. Way to go. Hope you keep going. Um, and then dropping out of the rankings are two basketball schools, <laughs> North Carolina, uh, who we are, um, and uh, a Duke, um, who has shut out Louisville this week. Um, Duke isn't even getting any votes, by the way, in, in like at all. And you know who is getting votes, Andy? Who's that? Rutgers. Oh, I'm not Rutgers. surprised. They, I, I, I am slightly concerned about Rutgers at this I'm, point. I'm growing concerned about them. Absolutely. Yeah. As a, as a game coming right after Michigan, whether we win or lose, at uh, with Michigan at home, uh, Rutgers is going to be formidable. You know, there's going to be a letdown potential there, and um, I'm not surprised they're getting votes. Uh, Rutgers, for the record, six and two overall on the season. 
I, I mean, it, 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 we, we got another border rival uh, that that is like on the come up right now. Like we, they're a recruiting rival of ours. Uh, you know, Saquon Barkley was committed to Rutgers at one point in time. Uh, so and I don't like the idea of another red team on the other side. We basically are surrounded by red teams on all sides. That's true. Ohio State, Maryland, Rutgers all got red going on. And and we're just the blue hanging in there, just just fighting for recruits amongst all of them. And obviously, we, we recruit better than Maryland and, and Rutgers by and large. But, you know, four stars are still going there. And those are guys that Penn State's trying to get, too. So. Well, all of this is uh, moot as of tomorrow, which CFP. is uh, Tuesday, um, and the CFP oh, poll comes oh, out. Oh, Andy. Oh, yes, Tom. Interesting, interesting. I know I know. here soon we're about to get into a little bit of a Michigan talk. I don't know. Maybe. What. I mean, we're at the risk of avoiding talking about the Indiana game. <laughs> well, so interesting when it comes to the CFP poll coming out. Guess who's on the CFP committee? Oh, the Michigan athletic director. Ward Manuel. Yeah. Uh, this is ridiculous, by the way. I, I mean, I know they're supposed to quote unquote recuse themselves, but come th- on. You sure? Okay, Michigan's gonna. Okay, their athletic director is not recusing himself. He's a, in a pos- high position of power, both in the Big Ten and nationally, and now he's being gifted more, you know, like influence. Let's call it influence of power. I, I don't. I don't like it. I, I don't. I don't want to see Penn State's athletic director in there either. Like no, I think you you should definitely sitting sitting athletic directors, sitting should, chancellors, sitting you, presidents. I get it if you're. I get it why you want to have some stakeholders from that category, but like you should choose people whose teams have not been in the the running for the last five years or something. And like especially that. now that like all the investigations that are going on within his athletic uh, department it's ridiculous it is yeah. not good he should just resign that Dude, commission entirely and get i mean and i we don't need to get on this subject but you you do realize they already are <laughs> you do realize that literally last year um michigan had to uh um, pay out like five hundred million dollars worth of uh, in a lawsuit um, for, against you know the Shem Beckler um, and the the that uh, I forget the the I'm sorry the team doctor had over a thousand sex abuse um, victims and they had to pay out over five hundred million or almost five hundred million dollars that was last year so like add that on to what's going on with the athletic department and the football team right now it's just uh, why is Ward Manuel given the you know the 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 silver spoon here on this? <laughs> uh, interesting. Um, I'm just spe- saying. I'm speaking, just saying. Speak, speaking of Michigan, and we, you know we really don't have time to talk about this at any length. But um, but since we will. The I'll last <laughs> uh, the last recording. Um, the, the new evidence has come out. Um, that's that's hit the press. Um, there's an outside firm that apparently discovered on Michigan computers evidence of the sign stealing scandal uh, uh, and and basically revealed a very very sophisticated uh, intentional scheme that included video of uh, opponent sidelines. So it not only uh, was there in-person scouting, which is um, a, a violation of the bylaws, but also there are recordings of uh, those sidelines, which is another 
um, another broken bylaw. Um, in addition to that, um, an anonymous person has come forward who's basically corroborated that he was part of this scheme put together by uh, Connor Stallions. Um, this particular person who, you know, no one's quite sure who it is, but that he, he has actually... His role was to go to a couple of Penn State games, including the UMass game, which he only sat through half of because of the rain. He said he wasn't paid enough to sit through the whole game. That's hilarious. Um, and he was scheduled Obviously to be Obviously not the, there to be a fan. <laughs> no. But he was um, also um, supposed to be at the Penn State-Indiana game this past week, which he said, well, I'm not going to it now. <laughs> But all that to say, like, (laughs) but but that smoke that we were talking about last week seems to be there's evidence of an actual fire. And um, although Michigan homers are talking about this as a conspiracy, it seems like you know whether it's an enormous scandal or whether it's something that's just going to sort of result in some slaps on the wrist, which I'd be surprised at. it, It. it seems like there's something legit here, and the question is not whether there's something going to happen because of it, but what exactly that will be. Um. So, Andy, what what's to what's to make of? Let's put it this way: like right now, there's no clear cut evidence that we have access to as as fans or the general public that Harbaugh is quote-unquote directly connected to this. But, like, the dude's been seen on video on the sidelines with his cheat sheet uh, right next to Harbaugh, right next to the offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator calling plays out. And and it's it's so brazen that I mean, clearly Harbaugh knows that this sign stealing operation is in place. Let's just say for a moment we don't have evidence that he knew it was being done in an illegal, impermissible, rule breaking way. But the the problem is it's so brazen. He's so aware of how effective it is, and he's not asking questions about. How you get that good? It's like, oh, just the guys from the military. So and, that explains and, it. And he like, has what? been on record this season as saying Michigan has gone to the nth degree to ensure that we are abiding by the rules. And that's me paraphrasing the the, the quotation. Um, but that's not if this has happened under yeah. his watch. He obviously has not gone to the nth degree by any measure. No, I mean, you clearly have a problem with, you know, quote unquote, institutional control here. And lack of it. Right. There's definitely exposure to to Harbaugh. Um, I mean, University of Michigan is completely clammed up. They're not talking about Michigan had a buy this past week. um, So there wasn't a a normal press conference. It'll be interesting to see what this week's press conference yields in terms of questions to Harbaugh. And he's not uh, going to answer anything. I mean, it'll just be interesting to see how many times it comes up and how many ways it comes up. And there's so many pieces that are easily put together at this point to, to like form a, like a, a, a logical <laughs> sense of, of what's going on over there, in, in my opinion. A lot um, of circumstantial evidence. Sure. I think. Yeah, um, obviously. But like, but, but like putting you know, pieces together of that's like, what I'm saying. This like, is alleged, it's alleged, a lot of circumstantial evidence. Right. right. It's not just one or two. And this is a alleged. Andy, do you know 
Sean Clifford was 2-0 and against Harbaugh before the alleged sign-stealing uh, scandal has begun? It's really hard to, you, you really want to make, especially as, a, you know, there are homers out there. Sean Clifford and was undefeated against Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> and there are haters out there, which we are two of those haters. Yep. It's really it's really easy to want to draw, like, very clear connections, you know. And I think it's murky as to how much this necessarily has had direct impact on what you've seen on the field, but it's certainly not nothing. There were reports that, that, you know, Michigan was like before this all came out, um, you know, before two weeks ago or whatever it was, a week and a half ago, um, that Michigan and Jim Harbaugh working on a, a contract, you know, a lucrative contract extension that would have made Jim Harbaugh the highest paid coach in the big 10. And those, those, then those, Contract talks were uh, said to have been put on hold. And then uh, recently, as of I think yesterday, uh, there was a report that Michigan rescinded contract extension offer. And then Harbaugh this morning came out and said uh, that it was not, quote, accurate. He said, I wouldn't say that is accurate. That was his exact quote. So that the uh, contract was rescinded. Yeah. I wouldn't uh, say that is look, accurate. We we have done a good job yeah. of not abiding by our we're not going to talk about this because <laughs> we just talked about it. And and truthfully, we haven't even gotten into things that I would really want to say about it. I wanna I wanna move on for sure, the moment. That's but fair. I, I assume there will be future developments that'll let us talk a, a little bit of, more about this. I think it does get to uh, integrity of the game issues, which I think is, is you know something everyone should be concerned about. Yeah. Um, look, let's let's take our turn. We're going to have to talk about this Indiana game, um, so we may as well just do it now while we're on the episode where we said we're going to talk about it. <laughs> um, it, it was wow. I mean, it, of all my imaginings of how this game would go, this is about as poorly as I could have imagined it going. Um, we were very lucky to escape with a win in this game and um, you know, credit to Indiana. They put together a good game plan. They played sharp. They took advantage of, they of played motivated. Mystery. They were motivated. They, they played you know, with urgency. Absolutely. And by the way, um, how about those slow starts, those noon kind of lazy Saturday starts, not being able to get up. I mean, it, Truthfully, you know what this was? This was a hangover game. I mean, we look like we're just completely hungover from that yeah, Ohio State game. Yeah, but we played game. hangover games in regular games where we didn't lose. Like, we played a hangover game lose, in Illinois. We played a hangover game. Um, you well, know. I'm calling this a hangover because I get it. Ohio Obviously. State, you know, we we laid I, it on the line, even though we. I mean, it was a brutal emotional loss. We we kind of like it knocked us off our senses, and we we haven't gotten back on the horse. We're, I mean, Franklin has a habit of having these letdown games, and other than last year, where I don't know what the difference was, where Penn State coming out of those two brutal losses to Michigan and Ohio State, we played very well in the the games following every other year. We've seen major, major letdowns after an emotional loss. And um, this was very, very against one of the worst teams in the Big Ten, one of the worst teams in the entire country, frankly. Um, we nearly let them beat us. And it wasn't until the final, you know, three minutes of the game that we finally had a sense that, you know, we weren't going to lose the game. It's just, it was astonishing. And just watching the game unfold, it was just like, I was completely 
uh, I mean, speechless about about how poorly it was going and and how it seemed like nobody from you know the line to the skill players to the coaches on the sidelines to the coaches in the box seemed to have any interest in doing anything resembling playing a, a football that you would expect from a top ten football team. Um, I, w- like yes. We won the game. Yes, Drew Drew, <laughs> Drew Aller threw a, a very key pass down the field. It felt like for the first time all season. Um, I mean, know. it was the first time all season. Yeah, exactly. I mean, That's even what, the even the well, big so, one in West on. Virginia was like a crossing route that the I guy yeah, lost. Like, like this, yep. this is the first long pass that was connected all but season. But I don't feel like Penn State won the game. Like I don't feel like it was a good win in any sense of the, you know, the, the, the word. Um, I really felt like Indiana um, lost this game, you know, like, like they had the win and then lost it. Um, that's, that's how it felt. I mean, yeah, it totally felt that way to me. And, you know, as we're watching the game unfold, you're getting this growing sense that like, Oh my goodness, they're going to lose this game, Penn State, I mean, you know, and it, it really seemed like Penn State did not have what it takes to get over the hump. And it was just, I mean, really that sequence near the end of the game where where Indiana is getting ready to go in for a, a score to go ahead and they end up settling for the field goal. It's like, I mean, I still didn't feel like we were going to win the game, but it's just like you felt like you dodged a bullet because that was the, the moment where Indiana was going to go for the jugular and... um yeah, just it felt like we we did not deserve to win that game. We were lucky to get out of that game with a win. Um, you know, it's not that we did nothing right. There were some things that went right for us at the end, but um, boy, oh boy, it was it was not the kind of game I was looking to see by any stretch. The, there are some thoughts that I had that I vocalized in the text thread uh, during this game that that you know are any of them safe for work. I'm going to make them safe for work. <laughs> One was Yersich is not a good offensive coordinator. Another is that Drew Aller should transfer. Another is that Nick Singleton should transfer. Um, <laughs> that These are things that I said. And I yeah, and in true. the moment, I absolutely believe them. And I, I, I'm just, I don't, I don't know what the plan is. I, I, I have not seen progression from this offense we've only seen definitely regression regression. we've seen regression you know and and it's baffling to me like last year we saw i feel like we saw progression in the offense by the second half of the season it was like man if only we had this team playing ohio state right And, and and right now it's going the exact opposite way and and it feels like the bad offenses from like the, mo- the some of the most recent dark years of Penn State, like like after Fraterno was fired and um, or- yeah, can't get the running game going, can't complete a pass, can't string it together. Like this was the worst rush defense in the Big Ten, and we were really bad at running the ball. They their offensive, their, I'm sorry, their defensive line overwhelmed our offensive line much of the game. Yeah. And even Olu, and I just I'm just thinking to myself like, like we're like being un, like the coaching job is not good right now. Yeah, I mean I think you're you're dealing with two 
separate, uh, although maybe interlocking problems. One is just the game planning slash play calling. And the other is motivation. I mean, you saw that at Ohio State. It just seemed like the team was not motivated. They were not up. I mean, you talked about that um, arm wrestling movie a couple years ago. where Over the top. Still, <laughs> Put the hat the on backwards. Still haven't watched it. Yeah. No, no, he instead, got locked in. Instead of he got locked in. Instead of turning his hat backwards, Franklin's got a dunce cap on. <laughs> I mean, it feels it's like, what are you doing? You're showing up to the the you know most important games, you know, or or like emotionally one of the most important games to get back, and you're just kind of sleepwalking, going through the motions. And you're hung over. And, and let's put it this way, Andy. Um, on top of it, our defense had a bad game, and and it, you know, fortunately for us. It was Indiana, and and even Indiana playing at their best, and us playing at nearly our worst. Like, our we were able to squeak out a victory. But if that effort is like the standard moving forward, we're gonna lose to Rutgers. I mean, never mind look, Michigan. Th- you know, we're fielding one of the best passing defenses in the country. At one point, we were top-ranked in any number of categories. Now, after Ohio State, I haven't bothered to check those stats um, because Marvin Harrison Jr. single-handedly... Andy, I'll look them up for you. (laughs) Well, I don't know what it was going into the Indiana game. They probably weren't top, but still very high. And you know what? We... We let this quarterback that was throwing for Indiana, who he did have a good game, hand it to him. He was effectively a brand new starting quarterback. And we let him do what not even Ohio State could do against us two long, explosive plays for touchdowns. It was like, what, 90 yards, which I think was tied for Indiana's longest pass play in their history. And they did it in Beaver Stadium. And then another one that was almost 70 yards. Dude, it was bad. Losing the explosive play. It's one thing when like we can't get explosive yards, but if our we're giving up explosive yards like this, I mean, that is the recipe for disaster, and it nearly was disaster. Um, and I did just look it up. Penn State is tied for fourth in the country with pa- Still. passing yards uh, allowed. We're tied That's with Ohio nice. State, um, a- allowing uh, 160.2 yards per game. Guess who is second in the nation in passing yards per game allowed? Uh, Michigan? No, probably? they're first. All right? I don't, I don't know who's second. Rutgers. So oh, we got the, the oh, no. back-to-back games. We have oh dear! Back, this so so let you know we're going to talk about you know the look ahead to to Maryland in the next um, episode. But Andy, holy crap! Like if we don't get our passing game corrected, and I I, I don't have a high hopes for this at this point because it doesn't. I've, we see no progression again. Regression. If we don't get our passing game going against Maryland. We got the nation's number one and number two passing defenses back to back, and you can just load the box and play one on one. And if Aller doesn't get it together, and the game plan from Yursich isn't, you know, figuring out a way to exploit defenses, we're we could we could see more than one loss moving forward in this season. It, it's, I, I pulled this I pulled this a little tidbit out of um, uh, one of the articles I read uh, this yeah. week. I, I apologize, can't remember which one, but uh, Penn State had allowed just one play of 40 yards entering yep. the season. Yep. Uh, entering the this game, game. Entering the game, yeah. Yeah, entering the game um, over the course of the season. Indiana had two plays like that in 20 minutes. Like, that goes to show you how 
how egregious motivation, the slap is. Motivation, slow yeah. starts, and and then the team lacking focus. That's yeah. I mean, like, you saw that in Illinois and Northwestern. Um, it seemed like all of Ohio State, and now here well, at home in Indiana. Well, so so you know, both coordinators. You're seeing and Diaz. It's contagious. Well, and it comes <laughs> it comes from the top. That yeah. comes from the coach, the head coach, the CEO. Like whatever he he does, it is represented and reflected on down the line. His his coaches and his players. And it was a total lack of focus game from all yeah. levels of Absolutely. this team coaching. You know, now, I'm not going forward. I'm not really that concerned about the defense. No. To me, this is a wake up. No, and but I it think is. Manic- a, but it is a. It is a warning sign. It is. I agree. You know, it's not a trend. It's an outlier. And you know, I. I. You. You can understand. Uh, sort of a letdown game. Uh, this. This defense has carried the team all season, and and we're lucky that that letdown did not lead to a loss. But the offense. This is the. This is a trend, and it's. You know, I mean, we're talking about is Yursich able to survive the season? It's been so, um, it's been so lackluster these last couple of games, and um, there's been no change. You haven't seen any any difference. Um, you know, again, this is Indiana, right? They're they're one of the worst teams in the conference on defense, the worst rushing defense. We had one good drive in the game, man. We had one good drive. It was a 12-play, 75-yard drive, ended in a 16-yard touchdown pass. That was our opening drive of the second half. And you thought at the moment, hey, okay, we're back on track. But no, no, tons of punts after that. And to the point where we let them get back into the game, tie it up. And, um, you know, the only reason that we were able to, to get – you know, the scores that we were able to get is largely because we had very, very short drives, <laughs> you know, all of our other scoring drives were, were very, very short. And, um, except for the one that, that ended up winning it at the end of the, um, at the end of the game, a three play 78 yard drive. But, uh, you know, we had a, an 11 yard, uh, field goal drive, an 11 yard drive that led to a field goal. We had, um, you know, a 32-yard drive that led to our first touchdown. So um, it is really very, you know, some of the warts that we saw early on in the season, some of the things we said, yeah, you know, things are going great, but, uh, you know, just looks like we need to work on this one thing. Well, that one thing has become like a cancer and it's now like taken over the offensive performance as opposed to having been eliminated. It just doesn't feel like the coaching staff has felt the urgency to shore up these deficiencies. It just feels like they are beating their head against the wall and hoping for a... The definition of crazy is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. Yeah. And, and, you know, we've seen in the last two weeks two very losable games, but also very winnable games. That's what's frustrating. Okay, is that like they're so, winnable? So the and things that we're they were doing, what we doing to, do to, win, to win the games, they have yeah. they haven't. Sh- so you know, at the end of both those games, you know, we were finally forced 
finally, finally forced back against the wall when urgency actually was no longer a luxury of feeling like you had to be urgent. <laughs> you know, you were, the urgency was there because if you it was do or die, and they were able to move the ball down the field at the end, the very, very ends of the games to, you know, in, in the Ohio State game to try and claw our way back, and in the in India, excuse me, the Indiana game uh, to to win it. You know, we had success throwing the ball down the field, and and it just feels like if if and I said it before the Indiana, or, you know, last week in the uh, Indiana look ahead, I said if they don't make a point to try and get better throwing the ball down the field against Indiana, then it's just not going to happen. You're not going to you're not going to get right for Michigan by just waiting until the Michigan game when your back is against the wall to do something you haven't tried to do. In the game plans leading in, it's just you're, you're yeah, you know. I mean, to your point, it really felt like Indiana, and this is the this is what everyone how everyone's played us. They're they're stacking the box, they're shutting down the run, and they're forcing us to try to beat them with our passing game. Our and run game is so predictable. It's so predictable and so vanilla and so ineffective at this point. With any even or, with or two of the run. best it, with running backs in them, the country, with either I of mean. Them. It, it doesn't matter. And, and, and we've we said very, it multiple times. Like, hey, we think, you know, two weeks in a row of Drew Allen looking extremely ineffective. And you didn't give Bo Prabula at least one chance to mix it up for the offense to get some, some type of positive rhythm moving. And, it, man, it's just confounding. It's confounding to watch the 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 collective team head being beat against the wall. If the defense isn't playing great and special teams aren't like you know you know we had a, a massive what was it an eighty five yard punt return for a touchdown called back for a penalty. called back you know we I I I don't know how to speak about it to make sense of it without my brain starting to hurt. Yeah. Well, one of the big, big problems, in addition to the play calling, I think, is clearly the receivers. I mean, we only had two receivers on the stat sheet at the end of this game. Keandre Lambert-Smith, who, of course, had the game-winning touchdown catch, um, and Dante Sivas, who only had two receptions in the game. Trey Wallace left with an injury. No other wide receivers are getting attention. Um, where, Where have the tight ends been, you know? Um, and so like this lack of inventive play calling, the inability to get the ball to the wide receiver, we're getting bogged down, bro. We had, this is against Indiana. We had six punts in the game. We had two more empty drives, one on a missed field goal and one on the interception, uh, Drew's first interception. I guess we get to talk about that at some point, but, um, you know, third down efficiency, bro, we were. Now we were a little better than last week, thank goodness. But seven for eighteen, it, it didn't start. Seven great for either. eighteen on third down. <laughs> yeah, we missed eleven times <laughs> on third down against Indiana. So something's broke. Um, the receiving core is not working out. The the play calling is not working out. We're not scheming to get receivers open. We're not scheming for the tight ends. We're not opening up holes in the run game. St- you know, our, our running backs couldn't get loose against Indiana again. I'll say it again, worst running defense in the conference. So, so there, there are big time problems. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, Indiana was not a get right game for us. Um, 
we're just so disjointed from from all like we were down seven nothing. Um, you know, s- slow start. We were down seven nothing, and up to the point of our touchdown. Um, you know, it, it, at towards the end of the first quarter, um, uh, we had only you know our first drive was nineteen yards. Um, and and upon our, yeah. our our second drive was eight yards, and upon our third drive was negative four yards, and upon on three you know three plays, and then it, even like you know. We like even that drive where we did score and tie it up seven seven. We had to go for it on fourth and two, and, and and we went for it on fourth and two from our own nine. Like I don't even know if that's the right call, you know, to do that there. <laughs> right. You could walk away with no points and really be deflating. It's just I yeah. And by the way, the the only reason we're have the ball at that point is because of a muffed punt on Indiana. It was Indiana's right. trying to get the ball. Yeah, that's so, correct. You yeah. know, that's right. It was Good only point. a. A 32-yard drive to begin with. Yeah. You know, we we punted our first three drives, um, a, a three and out, and one six-play drive. You know, so it was just like I mean, you talk about slow starts, and and it's a minute left in the first quarter before we finally score points. Thanks to this miscue again. You mentioned Indiana losing the game. There's another example of it. You know, if if Indiana had just held onto the ball there, you know, that's seven points off the board for us. Andy, it's just it, it's hard. To it's point. red flags all over the place. Yeah, it really red flags. It really is, and and you know, I, and I do put a you know a ton of it. I do put a ton of it on the coaches here and uh, on Yursich and and on Franklin, but you also got to like you like really at some point you also do have to make these players like accountable for what they're doing on the field yes. because the execution's not there either. Um, and, and this is Indiana, Andy, if you held, a, uh, they, their recruiting doesn't hold, um, you know, a candle to our recruiting. Our, our, our talent is like head and shoulders above what Indiana has. There's, they should not be in the same breath of talent as they, there's just, it just goes to show you that we're squandering, James Franklin's best roster. He's yeah, squandering I mean, it. Yes. He's squandering one of the best defenses he's ever had, you know, with just ineptitude. And it's just, uh, I, I, I really like the, help me, help me, please pull me yeah, out of this. It's just so, so yeah, frustrating, pro- Andy. I, I knew this was going to happen. You start talking about it and it, and you just get yourself back into that mode of uh, what, what are we even witnessing here? It and doesn't make sense. No, no. So um, let's let's kind of take a turn and 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 flip it just a little bit and talk about the bright side, okay? Because there are some bright side things here, even though we want to we want to look at all of the sort of the trajectory Penn State's going, and and it's very easy to predict where this is all headed. But there are a couple of bright side things here. Okay. First of all, um, we are still in the win column. Okay. And we, we were talking about previously a couple of other teams, uh, who were in a similar predicament, Washington, for example. And then there are a couple of teams who, you know, in the top 12 lost to teams that they shouldn't, AKA Oklahoma state, AKA, you mean Oklahoma, uh, I, I mean, Oklahoma and Oregon state, mm, Yeah, <laughs> you know, um, lost games that they should and the, the Oregon State one for me is pretty significant because that Arizona team, I think, although they've been scrappy, you know, they're closer to Indiana than um you know, than I think uh, a team like Kansas is who's been a little bit of a better team this year. 
So we're still in the win column and that we've seen teams go down every week to, to teams that they shouldn't. And, and, you know, a second we just, loss, we just feel fraudulent <laughs> Yeah, with our, pla- with our place in the, in the rank. But Hey, I'm talking about the bright side. I I'm get it. About the I get it. Side. But, but, it, but it feels like a hollow, uh, ranking like, yeah, a win, but like, are we actually a top 10 team? Well, you know, part of being a good team is finding a way to win games that are that you very well might lose. And and so like the 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 ex, the next thing about the bright side here is that we overcame adversity to get the go ahead score and then shut them down in the final few minutes to get the victory. I can't right? speak I can't speak to a positive nature in this in this light in this department. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm losing my my throat here a little bit, but um, losing losing more than just your voice. I'm frothing so much <laughs> that I'm losing my voice and my mind. Um, but yeah, okay. Look, sure, you know, I, let's let's go back to the Purdue game to start last year. All right, um, Sean Clifford threw a, a horrendous the interception. Puke six, yeah, the puke, <laughs> the six. puke six, and it felt like, oh man, we just Sean Clifford just lost us the game, and then he went out and orchestrated a unbelievable drive to go and win the game at the end. There, um, this wasn't exactly that kind of a unfolding of, of of events, but he, you know, he threw a an interception from his own side of the. I mean, that was a, a inside, very very that was inside very of thirty yards. I think. I think it was inside of thirty yards. Um, yeah. And yeah. obviously they went and got a tying field goal out of it. And for my money, you know, Tom Allen should be fired on his decision to just run it three straight times with five minutes left there and play for the tie. I think that's a... Yeah, like they a, had the ball at like, the 21-yard line. It's a terrible coaching job a decision to make to just play for, you know, the ball being in the center of the field for your field goal kicker. Like, you gotta go on the road for the win. You gotta. I mean, against a top 10 team on the road, go for the win. Tom Allen, you've actually stolen games from us before. Like, you should have gone for the jugular, and you didn't, and that's why you lost the game. Because on the very next drive, once Penn State got the ball back, Drew Aller redeemed himself. Totally redeemed himself. <laughs> I don't know about totally, but he definitely redeemed himself um, by, you know, that finally, finally throwing it up to KJ, or excuse me, KJ, to KLS, Keandre Lambert-Smith. Um, and, you know, that was a re- miraculous play because up to that point, Andy, I actually believe, I believe for early on in this game that we were going to lose. It just looked like this team didn't want to be playing competitive football at their best in all phases. But, you know, Drew Aller shook it off. Apparently, he actually didn't even know he threw the interception until he got to the sidelines afterwards because he got, like, slammed to the ground and couldn't see what ended up happening. He just thought it was like, you know, the punt teams were coming out and and we were going to punt the ball away because it was a third down <laughs> third down interception. Um a horrible horrible throw by the way. Decision horrible decision to throw it there too. Um Well, yeah, he was under duress. I mean, that's why he Got rid of it quickly and and yeah, it was an ill-advised his decision. First, his first interception, it, yeah, it, first of the, at, the, his the, career at Penn State. Three hundred, I think it was a three hundred and eleven pass attempts. Is that what it is? Three hundred one, maybe. Three hundred eight. It was it was something like that, close to. It's the most. It's the most pass attempts for a quarterback to start his career without an interception, and I think it's by like a hundred passes. He's ahead of the the next second, you know, longest 
uh, but again, I'm, I'm, I've come to sort of look at that as like failing to take a risk 100%, as opposed to being 100%. a, a, a highly accurate. It's passer. not going to, it's not indicative of, of what his future is yeah. in any way. It's just an interesting s- statistic. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I personally, I think like go out and throw some more, look, I will take that interception with our defense. If you'll go out and throw a touchdown on the next drive, like, like that's he did. what I'd love to see <laughs> more of. And he did. And so like, to me, overcoming adversity, Drew getting the, you know, interception monkey off his back and then getting the long pass finally for the first time since the West Virginia game. I think that's a a bright side. Um, and then the defense coming in and shutting them down and getting that strip sack that, you know, that's, it would have been nice to just actually fall on the ball and get the ball back. But hey, that safety moved it to a two score game. And it, then it kind of almost doesn't matter what Maryland, excuse me, what Indiana does from there. You know, that's that's a comfortable margin with just a minute or so left um, and, because then they have to kick it back to us and uh, we're able to get a first down and, and kneel it out. So, you know, that's, I think, a really positive development, overcoming that adversity. And, um, you know, finally on the bright side, we still have a chance to get better. It feels like the season is nearing its conclusion because it is, but there's still four games left. It's still a full third of the season left. There's a lot left to play for. Um, and, you know, the question is, did the end of that game possibly unlock something for Drew? Did it unlock something for I think that's a the hope. offense? I think that's right? the I mean. Hope. Did did it jolt a hungover team awake and now finally we can get back on track and actually play like we're supposed to for the rest of the season? Again, if this were a sports movie, this would yeah. be the thing. This would be the thing that that sort of sends you into the, the rest of the season and turns it all around. Now it's life isn't the movie, so of course that feels like it's more likely to just, you know, uh end in a whimper because that's the trajectory r- lately. Um you know Thinking back to Mike Yersich's offense, um, you know, the last couple of seasons, this is his third year, um, and this is his hand-picked quarterback, you know, and and even with Sean Clifford, like, we weren't a team taking tons of shots down the field. Like, in terms of, like, air yards that the ball has traveled before, you know, the receiver has ca- caught it, like, this, he is a, I think, schematically, a, he is a dink and dunk scheme offensively like Sean Clifford was a dink and remember how bad Sean Clifford's downfield passing numbers were last year the worst in college football and now here's our cannon of a you know quarterback arm and he won't even scheme him to throw the ball down the field unless his back is against the wall like we might just be dealing with a, a, a offensive scheme that is not tailored to suit the strengths of our quarterback He's not taking advantage of Aller's strengths at all. Like he has not looked accurate, um, you know, in this by, by and large. I mean, obviously, like he had a decent day at accuracy wise, um, but like you know, he was he, what was he? he was twenty of thirty one. It's better than he was last week, that's for sure. Um, but yeah, but before that long pass, I think he had 153 yards right, passing on that, the day. Yeah, so you know, it's not so, effective. His efficiency. Does not make make it effective at all. Not for winning the game. That's what I'm. Not for opening up the run game. And, not for. And you're not. You know, and you're not. You're not. Yeah, exactly. That's a very good point. Is not for opening up the run game because the run game is also dink and dunk. All right. So you're not stressing the defense anywhere on the field because you're not even scheming for your tight ends to have explosive plays. 
All right. Somehow we got back into the uh, Froth. the frothing Froth. and the it's grinding because uh, there's th- this bright side you're talking about is a fool's hope in, the, in what we're seeing <laughs> over the course of three seasons of Mike Yurcich's office. Yeah, well, I'll I'll take the Gandalf fool's hope, I guess. Well, while we're midweek, because um, I, I I do <laughs> I do want to have something to look forward to, and um, Gandalf had and to I- die, Andy. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> He died when you talk right after that. Oh, oh, man. Oh, yeah. So, if if Franklin or your search has to die in order for us to be born anew, like, right? Wow. Oh, man. Well, I I was going into this. uh, We don't have any wizards on our team. Uh, would be nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. um, uh, you know that we we that this is a hangover game, and uh, and we needed a, a hangover cure, and it got me thinking uh, to to Back to the Future Three. Remember the very end where they're they're trying to catch the train, uh, you know, so they can use it to get back to uh, 1985, and Doc has just uh, broken up with the love of his life, and he's sitting Clara, there nursing a Clara yes, Clayton. That's right, nursing a drink Clayton all night. Bean. And he, and he, you know, and he takes one drink at the end and it knocks him out and Marty goes and he's like, how many has he had? He's just had the one. Uh, and that's what it's like for Franklin led teams is the one loss is like that one drink that knocks you out. And, and the bartender gives this, this hangover cure. And um, that's and what we need. We need to hang his over nose here. and he opens his mouth with a, <laughs> yeah, with a funnel with and a funnel. pours it on. And it's like made of like mostly like hot sauce and I don't even know what else. But, that, <laughs> like, but it basically you know, was, like, was burning the wood when it was spilled. Was that long touchdown the hangover cure? Did that is that going to wake this team up? Um, you well, know, okay. So, so the, the team and the coaches to me are two different things. Like, I don't see the coaches waking up. I think the players have to do the waking up and to 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 start executing. To despite what the scheme and and game planning has been, and what the coaching job has been, because it has not been a a. Well, that's a good point because, you know, Doc, he like has this reflex reaction and then he passes out again. And he's yeah. like, what was that? He runs, <laughs> you know, he he's runs like, out and well, it, to the, to the horse take 10 minutes trough. for full effect. Yeah. And then, yeah, then, then Marty McFly has to go out and face, uh, who is it? Bit? It's not Biff in that one. It's, uh, yeah, huh? Yeah. No, you what's this? Buford, Mad Buford. Dog Tannen. Yeah. That's Buford, it. Mad, Mad Dog Tannen. Yeah. Nobody has to go out and face me him. Mad Dog. <laughs> <laughs> he has to go out and face him, um, you know, and I feel like that's we need a Marty McFly on the team. Like the coaches are still knocked out and hung over and we need to have someone who's going to step up to the bully. And, and, and you know, because Doc was the one that, who had the that's plan where the leaders it was Doc's plan yeah. and it didn't work because Doc blew it. Yeah, because he was so, you know, emotionally overwrought and, and yep. Marty's like. This is my time, and I, one of these players needs to say, "Look, it's time to to make a stand and to go out and and show what we can really do." I don't care if the coaches don't know what they're doing. We're just going to go and we're gonna we're gonna execute. I we're think gonna play it has ball. To, I think at this point, I think it has to be Drew doing it. Like he's the one with the most power in the offense. He has got to overcome what the rest of the offense lacks, which is it lacks a good game plan. It lacks good execution. It lacks a big time, you know, wide receiver playmaker. It lacks a uh, explosive running attack. Like he has got to rise above all of these things that are holding this team back. 
He's got to be the one to do it. That's what great. That's what a great quarterback can do, and we haven't seen him do it on a, in a large scale yet. But like you said, maybe that pass is that like that gives him. You know, a gets the the interception monkey off his back. B he has a end of game come from behind, not come from behind, but you know, winning uh, drive, winning play that maybe it unlocks his potential. Yeah, that would be great. I mean, hey, that would be great. Yeah, of course it would be great. I don't know. That, you know, it's like, one. It's got one happen. play. It's got it's one happen. play. It's one play at the end of one game, and it's it's not enough to see. Oh, there's a change, but it's it's the potential. It shows the potential, and I think that's what we'll be looking for as we turn to Maryland, um, which we're going to talk about in our next episode. Uh, for now, though, bro, I think we better call this one before we uh, we dive back into the froth. Of our frustration, I need to get a fourth um, coffee and me to froth for the next episode. <laughs> we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to uh, to put an end to it for the for the moment. Um, Want to remind everyone to please go ahead and subscribe and follow. Um, share this podcast with your Penn State friends. Uh, send us an email for the mailbag, blue and white brothers at gmail.com. And hey, write us a review, give us a rating, so uh, more people can find Blue and White Brothers. Um, next time we will talk about Maryland. And until then, bro, it always starts with I love you. And it ends with I love you. We are and state. Thanks for listening to the Blue and White Brothers. Join us next time for another great episode about Penn State football. Want to make sure you don't miss an episode? Be sure to hit subscribe before you go. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't hesitate to give us a five-star review with overwhelming words of adulation and praise. 